All right, well, good morning to everyone and welcome to The Well here at STSA, where we are starting a new series today called Thanks Living. And before I explain what the title means, I want to talk to you about the origin of the series and where the idea for the series came from. So there's an expression that I bet you you've heard it many times over the past few months, and you probably said it several times as well. And I don't think I'm alone, and I hear this expression all the time. So tell me, how many of you have heard this expression or said this expression, which is, that's so 2020. That's so 2020. We say that basically for anything that bad that happens, we say that's so 2020. So you get a flat tire, oh, that's so 2020. The delivery, the delivery guy puts it on the, on the neighbor's house instead of mine, classic 2020 coming at you again. It rains for a week. Nothing can go right this year in 2020. We say it as if it never rained before. We say it as if tires are never flat before or the Amazon guy never misfired before this year. I actually heard someone say this one time. Someone actually said this. Somebody went to order food at a fast food or whatever it was, chain restaurant, and then the guy brought him the food. He took the food home and he opened up the bag and there was no French fries. He ordered French fries. There was no French fries. And his response, classic 2020. As if no 15-year-old, snot-nosed little kid cashier ever messed up someone's fast food order in 2019 or 2018 before. Now, I'm not saying 2020 hasn't been a unique year. For sure it has. You don't need me to tell you that. It's got its unique problems, unique situations. But is it really the pandemic's fault that everything that's taken place is that really the best way to approach everything that happens in life, just to basically say, that's so 2020? It reminds me of when we were kids. Remember when you used to go to the beach? That actually probably still happens now, but we don't, I don't know if I see him as much. The metal detector guy. Remember the metal detector guys on the beach? Okay, like these guys were like studs. These guys were incredible. These guys were like wearing spacesuits. It's 90 degrees. They had the hat, the goggles, the headphones, so they could hear all those little beeps. And they would be out there no matter what it was, and they'd be beep, beep, beeping away. And I used to think to myself, man, these guys are troopers. Like these guys are out in the sun, but man, must be, what treasures are these guys unearthing from the ocean city shores? Like, what is it? Is there gold or rubies or sapphires or what hidden gems are they discovering out there with their beep, beep, beep metal detector thing? Well, you could be the metal detector guy and then we could be us and we could be on the same beach all day, all eight in the morning till five o'clock in the afternoon. We could be on the same beach, same day, same circumstances, same everything. At the end of the day, we each go back home and someone would ask me, what is it that you found today? And I would say I found, you know, fun and sand. And, you know, we buried that short little kid under the sand or whatever it may be. And we found whatever it was. And then the metal detector guy, same beach, same day, same circumstances, what would he say he found? He say he found, you know, like little bottle caps or, you know, the, the, the can top things that people just kind of threw. Same beach, same day, same circumstances, but what we found was completely different. Why? Because something that you know so intuitively, this is very common sense, it's not a spiritual, this is just a life thing, it's a principle of all of life. You find what you seek. It's a simple principle. You find what you seek. If I go to a forest, and I have an anteater, and then I have a bee, an anteater and a bee, and I put them in the same forest on the same day, same circumstances, the anteater is going to come back to me, and what will he have found in the forest? Ants, what will the bee have found? Honey, 
okay, or people to sting or whatever it may be. They will find different things because they sought after different things. This is common sense. You understand this. Well, let me tell you what I see a lot today. I see today a lot of people finding themselves in negative situations. I see people feeling negative about, let's start at home. People feeling negative at home. People feeling like, you know, our marriage is struggling and we haven't had struggles in our marriage. People feeling their homes are under stress. People fighting all the time with their kids. I see a lot of negativity in the homes these days. I see a lot of people feeling negative about their circumstances. That I wish I wasn't alone or I wish I was alone. I wish we had kids. I wish we had different kids. Okay, I see a lot of people feeling negative about their circumstances. I see a lot of people feeling negative about themselves. More than I've ever seen it, to be honest. And I don't have statistics. Any of the statistics, people will tell you that depression is higher and suicide rate. I don't have any of that stuff. But I just talk to people, so I just know what I see and what I hear. And I see a lot of people feeling very negative about themselves. I don't like my appearance. I don't like my personality. I don't like who I've become. And this is an expression, I wrote it down right here and I put it in quotes because I've heard this expression multiple times recently and I don't even know what it means. But I had several people say it, so it must be on a blog post or a social media or something that I need to find myself, find myself because, this is in quote, I don't know who I am anymore. I've heard that from several people. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't even know what that means. But I see a lot of people feeling negative about themselves. And what I see, I feel bad. It breaks my heart to see people feeling so negative about their family, about their circumstances, about themselves. It breaks my heart. But I got to be honest, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. You know why? Because the world today is all about negativity. The world today is all about negativity. And the main sources of information that we receive, news, social media, both live off of and thrive off of negativity. If you got rid of all the negativity off of social media, there wouldn't be anything left. All the pictures of cats. Okay, that's the only thing that would be left over. There'd be nothing to follow if there wasn't anyone to complain. And same thing with the media. If they only had good news to report, hey, probably switch to, to, to a, a, a different model. Because the world today thrives off of negativity. And if you're not careful, and if I'm not careful, if we're not careful, it'll infect us too. Because King Solomon was a wise person. He said this in Proverbs 23, 7. He said, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Again, common sense. A person who thinks about money all day, every day, will become greedy. A person who thinks about uh, fleshly lusts and passions will become lustful. A person who thinks about food all day, every day, will become gluttonous. And the person who fixates on negativity and listens to negative, reads negative, and so 2020, classic 2020, woe is me, the worst year ever. Don't be surprised if that person becomes a negative person. Don't be surprised because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that's where this series is coming from because I say enough is enough. I'm sick of that this is so 2020. It's so 2020 to just talk about how 2020 is the worst thing ever. I'm sick of it. Because as much as we have complained and been frustrated, like I said, there's been a lot. I got to be honest. I don't see 2020 as that different from every other year. Yes, again, granted, I'm not saying it's been a normal year, but I'm saying there's no normal year. Every year has good and has bad, has challenges and has things that go our way. Every year is the same. And I promise you this. 
how you end this year has a lot more to do with your attitude and your perspective than it does with external circumstances. How you end this year, the story, one day, 2020, is all it's going to be is a story. Okay, like what we're going to tell generations after us. In the year 2020, and I talked about this in the sermon a couple weeks ago, 2020 is just going to be a story. And the end of that story, how the story is told, is going to be based a lot more on our attitude than it is on the external circumstances. And I can prove it. I can prove it to you right now. How much we all complain. Okay, we all complain. And like I said, now it's easy to complain and it's complain easy. How much of the stuff that we complained about, think just pa- the b- past month, past four weeks, think of all the stuff that you complained about. How much of the stuff that we complained about in the last four weeks is the exact opposite of what we complained about a year ago? Think about it. We complain nowadays that what? We're stuck at home. We're cooped up. We're all in each other's faces, okay? I can't get away from him. I can't get away from her. I can't get away from them. We're all cooped up in each other's faces. That's what we complain about now. But a year ago, Weren't we wishing for more time at home with the family? Weren't we complaining that there was too much traffic, wasting too much time in the car? Weren't we complaining that everyone had so many activities and the family could never be together? Like, aren't we complaining about the very opposite of what we complained about a year ago? It's not the external, it's the internal. We complain, many people complain for this holiday, Thanksgiving, they couldn't travel. Couldn't get to be with my family. Couldn't get to see my family. My parents couldn't come see me or whatever it was. Couldn't get to be with family. But a year ago, you came back from being with your family. You said, I need a break from the family. I need a holiday from the holiday. I can't take that anymore. And the same thing that we complained about this year, opposite of last year. We're approaching Christmas. Think about it. This year, Christmas, compared to last year. Last year, we said too many activities, too many work parties, too many social events at the kids' school. Just too much, too much, too much. Well, now you got nothing. Now you got nothing. You got no holiday party. You got no events at the kids' school. You can be home every single night and watch every single showing of Elf and Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. You can watch every single one. You don't have to miss one. <clears throat> the bottom line, it's up to you. It's up to you. It's up to you what you see. It's up to you what your perspective is. You can choose to see the negative or you can choose to see the positive. It's up to you. And that's what this series is all about. This series is not called Thanksgiving. It's called Thanksgiving. And the reason why is because Thanksgiving is just a day we celebrate. That was one day a week ago. Thanksgiving is a day, one day out of the year. But Thanksgiving is a life we live. Thanksgiving is a day we celebrate. Thanksgiving is a life we live. Thanksgiving is something we do. We eat the turkey. We eat the stuffing. We eat the cranberry. Even though one likes the cranberry, somehow we eat it. Somehow it's on the menu. We eat it every single year. That's just a day. Thanksgiving is not a day. It's not an act. It's a life we live. And it's our calling as children of God. Now, uh, we know... Okay, you're smarter than me. You know this. Okay, there's all kinds of people out there, non-Christians, secular writers, scientific people who will tell you the benefits of gratitude. You don't need me to tell you that. There's all kinds of studies and all kinds of papers and articles written about how we are better off when we are thankful and grateful. And they'll tell you that your life expectancy is higher. A thankful person has a higher life expectancy. A thankful person has um, a, a, a less likelihood of certain diseases and heart conditions. A thankful person somehow, I don't know how they test this, has a higher immune system. Don't ask me how they tested this, but somehow they stick something inside you and tell you your immune system is better when you're thankful. I don't know any of that stuff. But I know this, that thankful people, again, the studies will tell you and this I see with my eyes, Thankful people have better marriages. People who are grateful are more successful when it comes to relationships. 
They're also more successful when it comes to their career. People who are grateful do a better job of calling whatever they're attacking in life to be successful in that area. And you may wonder, what's the science behind that? Well, I'll tell you the science behind it. The science behind it is very simple. It actually comes to us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. I'll explain to you why Thanksgiving will make you more successful in life, because it says this. Actually, let's read this all together, all together. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's our memory verse for this series, and I want you to remember that verse. It may be something that you post up on your fridge. And everything, give thanks. And everything, give thanks. Why? What's the science behind it? How's I going to make my life any better? Simple. It is the will of God for you. It is the will of God for you and for you and for you and for you. What's God's will for you? To give thanks in every circumstance. Saying thank you, being a thankful person, is not just a nice to have. Like, remember when we were kids, okay, we didn't know anything. Someone gives us a present. We just want to rip it open. Your parents are like, say thank you, Junior. You know, go give the awkward thank you to that person who you don't know and, you know, thank you. But it wasn't just, so they just made us just say it just to say it. This is not that. This is not like just say thank you, God, no matter what. Being thankful is the will of God for your life. And how many of us wrestle with that will of God concept and we say, what is God's will for my life? And, well, you know, should I marry this person, marry this person? Should I even get married? Should I take this job? What career? Like, what, what is the will of God for my life? Well, maybe. The will of God is a lot more simple than we think. Maybe the will of God is less about the big decisions, the once-in-a-lifetime decisions, and more about the day-to-day -day attitudes. Maybe the will of God is less about what, more about how. Less what, more how. Maybe the will of God is less, how many more children am I supposed to have? What is the will of God? Maybe the will of God is less, how many children to have? Maybe the will of God is more how to appreciate and be grateful for the ones that I have. Maybe the will of God is less, who should I marry? Maybe the will, the will of God is more, what attitude should I approach marriage with? Maybe the will of God is less, which job? Maybe the will of God is more, how I approach that job and my mindset, my perspective towards the work that I do for the glory of the kingdom of God. We focus on what, but God focuses on how. Will of God is more about how we do things, and in this verse, says that an essential, listen again, an essential part of you fulfilling the will of God. I don't want to say it's the only thing, but an essential part of you and me fulfilling the will of God, an essential part of being in the will of God is learning how to give thanks in everything. And the reason why, it's kind of our key thought for this series is this. Thankfulness draws us into God's presence and unthankfulness pushes us out. Thankfulness, the result of it, why it's so powerful, why God says, in order to fulfill my will, thankfulness is a critical piece because what thankfulness does is it pulls us into God, into his presence. And unthankfulness or ingratitude pushes us away from him. There's a story in the New Testament Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 17, which perfectly illustrates this point. And it's a story that you probably read before, or at least heard before. But again, going along with the theme of that's so 2020, it's the most 2020 passage in the New Testament. Look what Jesus says right here. It says Luke 17, verse 11 and 12. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed, in the midst through, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, 
Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. A verse that I probably read before, new meaning in 2020. Because you know what leprosy was? Leprosy was a plague. And you know why the men stood afar off? Because they were quarantining. But I bet you they were more than six feet away. Because back then it was different than today. Today we all got to stay far apart whether you're healthy or whether you're sick. We all got to stay apart from each other. But back then it wasn't like that. The healthy people lived a normal life. The unhealthy people, the leprosy people, the sick people who had the virus, who had the disease, they not only had to stay six feet apart, they had to stay in a whole separate city. They couldn't even enter our city. They would build them their own cities out in the middle of nowhere on the outskirts of the city, okay, outside the gates of the city. They couldn't leave that area. And in fact, if you were walking out of the city and there's a leper person right there and they see you coming, they had to, by law, scream, I'm a leper, I'm a leper, I'm a leper. So you knew six feet, what, 60 feet is how far you'd stay away from them. They were the cursed, they were outcasts, nobody wanted to deal with a leper. <clears throat> so because of that, verse 13 is no surprise. These 10 lepers saw Jesus. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Basically, get us out of here. We heard about you. We heard you heal people with withered hands. We heard you raise the dead. We heard you cure the blind. Throw us, throw, throw us a lifeline. We're dying here. Help us by any means. Get us out of here because life as a leper ain't worth living. Jesus responds. And the first word Jesus says is the word go. And you'll see that in a second. But his go is different than every other go they've ever heard. Most of the time, they would call out to people and people would say, go, get out of here. But Jesus, verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. Show yourselves to the priests. You're thinking to yourself, if you're a leper, show them what? Show them my disease? My leprosy? Jesus, it's illegal for me to enter into the, the, the city, much less the temple. Yeah, they, they can stone me. They can kill me. What am I going to show them? Show them how diseased I am? Show, uh, but the people went. Jesus didn't tell them why. He said, go. And they listened to him. And they probably thought in their mind, you know what? We could die. We could be killed. But you know what? Living as a leper is probably worse than death. So you know what? If they kill us, they kill us. Let's just give the guy a shot. He says go. So they go. And it was, and so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Boom. Fantastic. Miracle. As they're walking, there goes leprosy. Now, that's the miracle of the story. It's not really our focus for today. What's our focus is what happens in the next verse, okay? The twist now. Verse 15. And one of them, one of the ten, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Well, there goes the social distancing right there. Okay, The guy comes back, he's healed, he kisses his feet. He make, breaks all the rules. He's not supposed to get near him, not supposed to touch him. The exchange of saliva, like all this stuff. But you know what? He's healed. He can do it now. Jesus is happy about what happened, about this guy who came back. But as you'll see in the next verse, Jesus says, something's missing from this story. Verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Jesus, 
Guy comes back, glorifies him. Thank you, God. Kiss the feet. He didn't even say, like, good job. He didn't say, you did great. He's going he's gonna to thank the, like, tell the guy he did good in a minute. But the first thing Jesus says is, something's missing here. Something's off. Something that was supposed to happen didn't happen. And when Jesus says this, where are the nine? He's not asking a question like, like he doesn't know the answer. He's making a point. And the point is, something bad happened here. Now, before we get too harshly on these nine who didn't come back, before we go too harsh on them, ask yourself this question. And we don't know the answer, so we're just thinking out loud here. Do you think that the other nine who was healed by Jesus, do you think that they felt grateful to Jesus? Do you think that they felt grateful to Jesus? Of course. Like, no-brainer. Like, if you go to these other nine, and, there's, and they got healed, they, you'd say, tell me about your day. They say, it was incredible. Greatest miracle ever. You met this guy. He said the thing. Here we are, we're healed. It's the greatest day ever. I can't imagine this. We could have never done this on our own. Greatest day ever. But notice something. That feeling thankful and being thankful are not the same. They're not. And if you want to see that an example, after church here, let's go out to lunch together. I'll pay for you and watch what happens if you don't say thank you. We'll go out together. You'll say me and I'll say, no, 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 me. And you'll say, okay, I'll have an extra cheeseburger and I, have a, and I feel very thankful. That's great. But if you don't express that thanks, I will receive that. Not only will it be not, be not a positive, that's a negative. And that was Jesus' point here. They all felt grateful, but only one of them, only one of them felt he needed to express it. Verse 18, Jesus said, We're not the any found who return to give glory to God except this foreigner. Here's our key point. Okay, understand this. Okay, I just said it a minute ago. What brought the one back to Jesus? What made this one leper who was healed? What allowed him to draw into God's presence versus what caused the others to be far from God's presence? It was gratitude. It was gratefulness. It was thankfulness. The thankfulness is what returned the man back. The unthankfulness is what pushed the others away. So for us, if thankfulness is the will of God, if thankfulness draws us into God's presence, if thankfulness is such an important thing for us, if we want to not just be people who thank God for a day, Thanksgiving, but we want to be thanks living, it's a life that we live, not a day we celebrate, then for us, I see two application points of this idea. Two application points that are really connected into one, but I'll explain why I say them too. And I'm going to show you the application right now. This is what I want you to walk away with. And you may look at this and say, one is contradicting the other, but I'll show you why it's not. Gratitude isn't just an action, it's a mindset. And then number two, it isn't just a mindset, it's a practice. I know it seems contradictory, but let me explain. Gratitude isn't just an action, it's a mindset. But it also isn't just a mindset, it has to be a practice as well. Let's start with the mindset piece. We need to be people who go from, we need to go from people who say thank you to people who are thankful. There's a difference. We need to go from people who give thanks when something good happens or on occasion or on a holiday or on a whatever it may be to people who are thankful every single day regardless of the circumstances. 
So it's easy to say thank you when you found the news that you're going to have a child. You're going to be pregnant. Easy to give thanks that day. But we need to be people who are thankful even when there's no child and there's no sight of a child or no child in sight. Easy to give thanks when I get that new job. But we need to be people who give thanks even when we don't get a new job, even if we're in the same job that we've been in for year after year after year. And again, there's nothing end in sight. We need to be people who are thankful even in that. It's easy to be thankful when your kid behaves. But we need to be people who are thankful when the kids are crazy and the kids misbehave. And if nothing else, we're thankful that they're at least, they're almost 18 and they want to go far away to college. So at least we're thankful for that, that there is an end in sight there. We need to be people who are thankful, not people who just simply give thanks. It needs to be a mindset, a day-to-day, a life that we live. Psalm 92, verse 1 and 2 says this, It is good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. You know why the psalmist says it is good It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Like, think about it in terms of the story of creation. Book of Genesis, where God created this, it is good. God created this, it is good. What the psalmist is saying is, when man, when me and you, when we offer thanks to God, things are good. Meaning, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how God made it to be. He made us to be recipients of his goodness, and then to be declarers of that goodness back to him by expressing our thankfulness and our gratitude back to him. Thanking God, as we saw with the story of the 10 lepers, is not doing something extra. We think on Thanksgiving Day, we're doing something extra. Not doing it is neglecting it, our our duty of what is good. Now I want to show you an article right here. This article was published. This is not a Christian article. Okay, this is from the Harvard Health Publishing Department, and they wrote an article about thankfulness and gratitude. Look what it says right here. It basically, it says everything that we're talking about here, but with a non-Christian tone. It says, with gratitude. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. And for us, the goodness in our life is God. You realize that, right? Like people, when they try to remove the word God, they put goodness. Like when people say, like we say, thank God. You don't believe in God, so you say, thank goodness. And I always wonder, what is goodness? Like, what am I thanking? Like, I'm thanking goodness. I don't know what that is. But that's basically what he's saying. When we, people acknowledge, with gratitude, people acknowledge goodness or God in their lives. Continues. In the process, people usually recognize that the source of that goodness lies out, at least partially outside themselves. As a result, gratitude also helps people connect to something larger. We can insert someone larger. Connect to something larger than themselves as individuals. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. Bottom line, God made us to be grateful beings. And when we are grateful and we are thankful, we are operating as we were created. And when we are ungrateful, things are not good. Things are not, our relationships are not going to go as they were supposed to go. Our career is not going to go as it was supposed to. Our personality is not going to be as it was supposed to because it is good for us to give thanks to the Lord. And the one who refuses to give thanks, that's the one who's cutting himself off from the goodness of God, or at least seeing that goodness in his life. That's the first half. It's a mindset. It's not just an action. But then the question is, okay, Father Anthony, I'm with you. We should be more grateful people. We should be thankful. But how? Like how? I'm not a naturally optimistic person, you may say. 
And those people over there, there's, you know, there's just some people who no matter what happens, okay, they're just thankful, they're just happy, and we kind of hate their guts, okay? Because everything, you know, their house is on fire, and they're like, thank you, God, for the flames. They're so pretty, whatever. Like, is that what we're supposed to be? Like, head in our sand kind of people? No, we're realistic people. And sometimes things are not good. And sometimes things are difficult. Sometimes there's challenges. So we're just supposed to just, you know, la, 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 la. Everything is fine. La, 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 la. Uh, Thank you, God. Is that how we're supposed to be? No. It's not about head in the sand optimism. Telling yourself everything is fine when it's not. It's about retraining your eyes to find the good. Like the metal detector guy. It's about training yourself to find the good, because in every circumstance, there is good. And what we need to do in order to get the mindset of gratefulness is to train our eyes to naturally, boom, zoom in and find the good. And I'll give you an example. True story. Once upon a time, there was a guy, a very successful guy, career, money, success, reputation. Like this is one of those guys that, you know, he walks into a room and everyone knows who he is, Very successful guy. But you know what the great equalizer is? Okay, the great equalizer, no matter if you're rich or you're poor, you're strong or you're weak, the great equalizer is always the ICU. Okay, that's why I always say is the intensive care unit because there you walk into a room and you can't tell if that guy's a billionaire or a homeless guy. They both look the same with all the tubes and stuff like that. Once you're in that position and you got an illness, that equalizes everything. None of that money matters. None of that stuff matters when you're there. This guy got sick, pretty seriously sick. And he knew that his time was pretty much limited. Now, at the beginning, when, when, when I would go visit this guy, he was not accepting the situation. He was quite miserable. He was upset. Why God? Not fair. Why me? And basically, it was not a joyful experience to visit this person. Okay? And you, you, you do it because you're a priest or whatever. But it's not an uplifting, encouraging experience. But you understand because the guy's going through hard time. But something changed. And at a certain point in time, the visits went from miserable to like manageable. And then from manageable into almost like semi-pleasant. And I remember the first time, okay, you see the guy and you're used to the complaining and this and that. And all of a sudden he's like asking about me. How are you? How's the church? Like asking, not just all like self-focused. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this isn't the same guy. Like, he's not miserable. He's not complaining. Like, maybe they put a little bit of extra juice in that IV today or something. I don't know what's going on, but kind of wrote it off as a one-off. But it continued. And his mood began to, as his physical condition deteriorated, somehow his mood and his spirits improved. And he kept on saying, thank God. He kept on saying that, thank God, thank God. He would insert that in almost every sentence. So finally, I had to ask, like you changed your personality overnight. And I know that the hospital, the ICU does stuff to people, but like, what's the deal? And he basically said this. He said he realized his time on earth was limited. He had two choices, either die miserable or live joyful. He can either die a miserable person, die an angry person, Dying alone person where nobody wanted to visit him. Or live whatever was remaining as joyful. And the key was gratefulness. The key was learning to give God thanks. He even mentioned this verse, okay, in a slightly different way. And I'm telling you, that one small change, that one small change, that one small change, 
Not a change in vocabulary only. The vocabulary was, was an indicator of what was happening inside his mindset. That one small change changed his personality entirely. And he became a pleasant person. And he became someone that became an, a joy to actually visit in the hospital. Why? Because his external situation changed? Not for the better, it didn't. What changed? Was he retrained his eyes. Before that, his eyes were only focused to look at himself and to see what was wrong and to see what is broken. And his eyes were always focused on this. So how God and why God? Then he was able to lift his eyes up. And God was able to, to help him to see. He said, thank God for that. Well, I can see some good. Thank God for that. And I'm telling you, that one small change was a game changer. So as important as that thankful mindset is, a thankful attitude, what I want you to see is a result of thankful practices. And we need the mindset. We need the attitude. But the attitude comes from the practice. And you can't have one without the other. Having a thankful attitude without a thankful practice is kind of like me saying, you know what? I think starting today, I'm going to have a dieting mindset. I'm going to have a dieting mindset. I'm going to have an exercising attitude in life. Okay, there's no value unless there's an exercising practice and a dieting practice. The, the, mind, the mindset of an exerciser in the mind, that doesn't do you any good. It's the same thing with gratefulness. So what we need to do is figure out some ways that we can program gratefulness into our lives and we can practice it because it's the one who practices that's the one that eventually will become the mindset. It's just like a person playing piano. Eventually, it becomes second nature. Eventually, you can do it like this. But at the beginning, it takes a little bit of awkwardness, a little bit of clunkiness, or a person learning to drive. We were learning to drive. It was 10 and 2 the whole way, and eyes like this. We, now, we're like this, and on the phone, and, you know, we're eating the sandwich. So it becomes second nature with time, and we can train ourselves to make gratefulness second nature and to become grateful people. But in the beginning, it's going to take a little bit of practice. Because get rid of this idea that some people are naturally predisposed to be thankful and others are not. Get rid of that idea. That's a myth. Get rid of this idea that some people, it's just easy for them. Get rid of that idea. You know, it's in fact, it's the opposite. It's not the mindset that leads to the practice. It's the practice that leads to the mindset. Meaning it's not some people are naturally thankful, so they give thanks more. Wrong. It's certain people train themselves to give thanks, to give thanks, to give thanks, and eventually the mindset and the attitude catches up. It's the motion that leads to the emotion, not the other way around. And we need to have that same mindset right now where we're going to say, we're going to practice and we're going to do it and we're going to train ourselves and eventually it'll become second nature. There's a famous author and speaker called Brene Brown. I'm sure you guys have heard of her before. She's famous on YouTube and she's written many things. And she talks a lot about people's attitudes and people's mindset. And she wrote a book and it was talking about joy. And she said in that book, she used to assume that certain people, kind of like what we think, are born joyful and other people are born not joyful. So certain people, like I said, it's a predisposition. It's a personality thing. But after interviewing hundreds of people about joy and gratitude, what she discovered is the exact opposite. The joy didn't come from a natural predisposition. It came from a deliberate and intentional practice. Look what she wrote. She says, without exception, Without exception, every person I interviewed who described living a joyful life or who described themselves as joyful actively practiced gratitude. Just like my friend in the hospital. Actively practiced gratitude and attributed their joyfulness to their gratitude practice. When it comes to gratitude, the word that jumped out at me throughout this research process is 
practice. Happiness isn't determined by our predisposition. Joyfulness isn't determined by the good stuff in our life. It's determined by the practices, the practices, the practices that lead to that mindset, that lead to that attitude. So with that, I want to give you some tips, some suggestions of practices that you can begin to implement. And I'm going to challenge you to look at it in terms of between now and Christmas. Let's go Orthodox Christmas to give me an extra two weeks of practice, okay? Okay, between now and for the rest of the time of this fast. And I'm going to give you some practices that you could consider. We all want to be more grateful. Everyone wants to be more grateful, right? Okay, but what we don't want to be is the person who walks into the gym, hires the personal trainer, says, get me in shape, and the personal trainer says, okay, you need to do this, say, well, that's kind of hard. We don't want to be those people. Because this is where, this is the point in the sermon that all of us are good with. All of us get to this point, we're like, yes, we need more gratefulness. Yes, we need to do certain practices. And then the personal trainer says, okay, go lift this weight. And we're like, eh, it's a little bit hard. We don't want to do that. So I'm going to challenge you to do some hard things and things that might be out of your comfort zone, but you know what? Maybe it's good for us. Like there are easy gratitude practices that you can do. And you probably read about these, like a gratefulness journal or like, you know, write two things a day that you're thankful for or start every prayer. Those are good, but I want to challenge you to do something big because it's just a month. I want to challenge you to do something big. And again, those who know about exercise, you don't get stronger, more muscles by taking a five pound weight and doing like this all day, every day. You get stronger when you challenge yourself, even if it's just a few reps, okay? Challenge yourself to carry something very heavy, even just a couple times is better than lifting this thing a hundred times a day is never going to make me stronger. So yes, you could start every prayer by saying, thank you, God, for whatever. That practice is not going to challenge you. So I'm going to give you four suggestions, four ideas. You take it or leave it. You come up with your own idea. But we're trying to go something big. Okay, and I put them up here all up on the screen. First one is declare a week of thanks living. A week of thanks living, which means that for one week, this is a family, this is a whole household. No one's allowed to complain for one week. One week, no one's allowed to complain, including you. Okay, because you say, yeah, that little ingrates. No, no, it includes you. Can't complain about work. Can't complain about the people who complain. Can't complain about the president or the next one or the current one or the future one or the past. We can't complain about anything. One week where you declare no one's allowed to complain. And I like to make things interesting, make it a little competitive. But so whatever you and your family is, okay, we're a competitive household. The person who breaks it first should have a serious consequence should lose, whether it's an amount of cash, okay, it's up to you and your family, okay, or whatever it is, the person who complains first, make it something worth their while, okay, that person or doesn't get to eat on Christmas, or whatever it may be, okay, like what works for you and your family, declare a week of thanks living. Number two, one thankful post per day, for those who are on social media, like I said, social media is all negativity, 99% of it is negativity, people complain about this, or this is a disaster, or this is the worst, or he's an idiot, or she's a whatever, that's all social media is. Will you perform a social experiment on your friends and you stop posting negative, stop reading negative blog posts and find one thing a day, post something thankful and just watch. Watch what it does to your mood. Watch what it does to your friends. Watch, just watch, just see one thing a day. Number three, a gratitude board. And this is something, again, you could do it as a family. Make a board in your house, whiteboard or cork board or whatever it is, and encourage people to write gratitude notes on there anonymously. So meaning, I, someone, you know, I want to thank that. So I just write it and I, and I put it up there. And then I'll walk by there and say, hey, someone thanked 
uh, dad for cleaning the ice machine again. That's very kind. Like, uh, makes me feel good. You know what? I can find someone doing something. Do this together as a family, all anonymous, and every day, put, keep putting stuff up there, putting stuff up there. And the challenge is as many things as you can find. The last thing is write a thank you note to God every night before you go to bed. Write a note. Don't just say it with your verbally, because verbally is good, but somehow when it's written, it becomes a little more concrete. Write a note to God every single day about all the things that you're thankful for. And try not to repeat the same thing. Every single day, what it is that you thank God for. And sometimes, you know what? You get to the end of the day, and sometimes you're just thankful to get to the end of the day. But thank God. These are just four ideas, okay? These are not going to solve all your problems in life or make you a different person, but you know what? They might challenge you. They might, you know what? That lifting that heavy thing might challenge you to grow some thankfulness muscles because thankfulness is like a muscle. You don't use it, it dies. You challenge it, it gets stronger. And that's a challenge for each one of us. Not Thanksgiving, which is just a day we celebrate, but Thanksgiving, which is a life that we live. Last thing I'll say, and last reason why Thanksgiving, why being grateful for us, especially as Orthodox Christians, why it is our life. Does anyone know the word to offer thanks in Greek, what it is? Does anyone know how to say in the Greek language to offer thanks? The answer is Eucharist. And the center of our life as Orthodox Christians is the table of the Lord, is the celebration of the Eucharist. And did you know that Eucharist means to offer thanks? Like you find how many times in the liturgical prayers that we say, give thanks to God. But specifically, if you, if you remember this part, the priest says, the Lord be with you all. And you say, and with your spirit. And the priest says, let us lift up our hearts. So they are with the Lord. And the priest says what? Let us give thanks to the Lord. Let us give thanks. That give thanks doesn't mean say thank you, God. That's not what it means. The word in Greek is evcheristisomen. Tukirio. Okay? Evcheristisomen. Let us give thanks. Evcheristisomen. What does evcheristisomen sound like? Evcheristi? Eucharist. What, I'm, what the priest is literally saying is let us Eucharist. Let us Eucharist. He's not saying, let us say, thank you, God, for this day and for the weather and for my shoes. And my... saying, let us Eucharist. Because the entire Eucharist, which is the pinnacle of our intimacy with God, and everything give thanks to God, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, and everything give thanks, the pinnacle of the will of God is the offering of thanks in the Eucharist. Which is why the early Christians, the early Christians, there's a writing from the first few centuries of Christianity called the Didache, and in the Didache, they speak about the Eucharist and Thanksgiving. Look what they say right here. It says, now concerning the Thanksgiving, which is the Eucharist, let us give thanks. I'm sorry, thus give thanks. So he's talking about, they didn't even call it the Eucharist. They called it the Thanksgiving, okay, which is the same word as Eucharist. So I'm saying they did call it that. Now concerning the Thanksgiving, again, not the feast, not the holiday, the Eucharist. Thus, you should offer the Eucharist. Uh, thus, you give thanks. First, concerning the cup, we thank you, our Father. For the holy vine of David, your servant, which you made known to us through Jesus, your servant, to you be the glory forever. They're saying this is how we should offer the Eucharistic prayers. And concerning the broken bread, we thank you, our Father, for the life and knowledge which you made known to us through Jesus, your servant, to you be the glory forever. Okay? And then it goes and gives a little bit more explanation of this is what you should do and this is what you should do. Instructions on how to offer thanks. And then afterwards, after, this is uh, from chapter 10, but after you are filled Thus give thanks, meaning after you've celebrated the Eucharist, after you have done the thanksgiving, 
Thus, you should give thanks again because you're thanks living. It's a life we live. We thank you, Holy Father, for your holy name, which you caused to, for, to tabernacle in our hearts and for the knowledge and faith and immortality, which you made known to us through Jesus, your servant, to you be the glory forever. You, Master Almighty, created all things for your name's sake. You gave food and drink to men for enjoyment that they may give thanks to you. Again, that's important. You gave us all things. You gave food, you gave drink to men for enjoyment that they might give thanks to you, but to us. You gave even more. You freely gave spiritual food and drink and life eternal through your servant. Before all things, we thank you that you are mighty. To you be the glory forever. You cannot separate thankfulness and intimacy with God. You cannot separate it. So what he's saying right here is we come to God. and We offer thanks. That's the Eucharist. And what does God do? He offers us himself. And then what do we do in turn? We thank him for that as well. You can't distinguish and separate our relationship with God, intimacy with God, the will of God from a life of thankfulness and gratefulness. The two are ultimately connected. So as we prepare, as we prepare in the season of Advent, this holy season, prepare to receive the incarnation of the Son of God, where God bowed the heavens to come down, take flesh to save me and you. Let us Seek to live truly thankful lives. Again, not people who say thanks, but thankful people. And I'm not just saying thank God because, you know, he came down to earth and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son or that he who was rich became poor for our sake that we through his poverty might become rich. I'm not just saying even thank God for that, but we want to become thankful people, eyes of gratitude, that we retrain ourselves, a mindset that comes from a practice, knowing that thanksgiving draws us into God's presence, but unthankfulness pushes us away. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, there's not enough words for us to offer you thanks that in, 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 in as much as you've given to us, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to truly be thankful people. Get our eyes off of the negative and the complaining and the frustration. Help us to realize all those things are inside of us. And regardless of what circumstances outside, Lord, you told us, you commanded us, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I pray that you would help us to fulfill your will and take a step closer to that depth and oneness and intimacy and communion with you that comes through thanksgiving. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints here, as we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us here today. You can find us on any social media platform and feel free to share a message that inspires you with your family and your friends. If there's anything we can do for you, please visit our website and let us know how we can help or even how can we pray for you. If you aren't receiving our weekly email, please click the Stay Connected button on our website. Thank you again and please have a great day.